You know, any normal year, uh, what's been going on with the corruption and uh, uh, investigations and allegations and guilty and not guilty pleas, uh, that would have been dominating news, Chris. But, of course, uh, in the era of COVID, sometimes that takes uh, second fiddle. Uh, but it's still drastically important. So it's always good to hear from experts uh, who have a pulse on what's going on here. Uh, and joining us now on the WMAY Morning News Feed, uh, St. Xavier University, uh, Professor David Parker. He is a fraud and corruption expert. I'm Greg Bishop, Chris Murphy in the newsroom. And David, thanks for taking time with us this morning on the WMAY Morning News Feed. What was your reaction over the weekend uh, whenever you saw the news break that uh, Martin Sandoval, former state senator who pleaded guilty and was a cooperating witness uh, in the ongoing corruption probes, um, likely into multiple different avenues, not just uh, with uh, red light cameras. But what was your reaction when you saw that headline that Sandoval passed away from COVID-19? I was shocked. Um, felt very you know, sorry for his family, a tragic loss. I felt sorry for them and all. So those, my, those were my first reactions, just shock and, 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 and concern for the family, worry for the family. But as far as the, the case, um, of course, it's, it's, it's hard to lose a compelling witness like this, but it's not going to be fatal. I mean, I think prosecutors have spent a really great job building up a strong scaffolding, um, not a house of cards. So um, he could have been a very compelling witness to put before a jury, and if they start, you know, believe him, and the man knows the in is now, so he could have been very influential and, and compelling. But I, I don't think it's fatal to the case. So talk a bit about that, if you can, uh, how he could have been used in the case um, if he were still with us. And, and yes, condolences to the family, and it's tough for anybody who loses their life, uh, be it COVID-19 or cancer or whatever the case may be. But um, how would a witness like uh, a Martin Sandoval, a former state lawmaker who's pleaded guilty, uh, how would that have been utilized by prosecutors uh, in what we are likely to see some kind of trial moving forward, especially um, in the likes of uh, the ComEd case with, uh, you know, uh, Mike McClain and Ann Parmajori and uh, John Hooker. And uh, uh, there's there's another one in there, too. But how, how would that how would that testimony have been utilized? Uh, it builds the narrative. It builds the story for, the, for, for, for individuals. It connects the dots, as you will. So it, it, it's, it's like having somebody just narrate the story to you, and you can get, kind of get involved in it as they're, as they're laying it out to you. So, again, if, with, with, if the jury connected with him, could be a very compelling, compelling witness. Again, just, just to have somebody with that inside knowledge is, it could, is very, very important. Pretty powerful, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but you'd mentioned that, you know, the uh, federal prosecutors, uh, they're not in it to lose cases. They build uh, a nice, strong scaffolding, not house of cards. Uh, what other types of evidence uh, do you think we could see surface, especially, uh, David, um, with the not guilty pleas uh, that uh, McLean and others issued uh, last week? Uh, that starts the discovery process. Right. Um, other people are going to be scrambling, sort of working out kind of deals. If they can stay unified, that's fine. But sooner or later, somebody might feel like somebody else is turning a little bit to get you know, a favorable deal. And then others just kind of – it's every man for himself, every individual for themselves. So you've got that. Um, there's always other people that can be kind of pulled in 
to get um, you know testimony from, get leads from. And I know some of them are really, really good about not using like phones and emails, but not everybody's that good. So you never know what's going to be discoverable from phone records or certainly emails. Well, I got to say about the emails, when I was reading through some uh, last week and the week before after they were released and we read some on the air, it, just, it blew me away. Uh, some of the stuff that McLean uh, w- was talking about in those emails. Um, as somebody who studies fraud and corruption uh, and is an expert on uh, the study of fraud and corruption, uh, David Parker, professor from St. Xavier University with us, uh, you've seen some of the language used in the emails. Uh, w- what kind of culture does that show you? Oh, um, I guess it's somewhat you know, callous, privileged, um, used to having power and getting in their way, um, a sense of focus and purpose. <laughs> that's that's one thing, I guess. <laughs> that sense of focus and purpose of uh, lining up jobs and contracts and uh, and the like. Uh, so, David, I mean, ultimately, this is still going to take some time, right? We're gonna we're gonna see this uh, unfold over the over the next few months. Oh yeah, it's going to continue. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Where I think this is going to be in, in in it for a, a long haul. That's. <laughs> Well, we'll be watching it all all a while uh, and getting your reaction to it as well. 818 now with the WMAY Morning News Feed. I'm Greg Bishop and Chris Murphy in the newsroom. David, I just wanted to ask you about the covering of the tracks. I mean, one of the things that uh, covering it as a reporter that I'm looking at is how well these tracks were covered to the point where they didn't even refer to Madigan at all in conversations, just our friend, and that's it. Have you ever seen anything like this where it's been covered so airtight, uh, coupled with the fact that Madigan doesn't even own an email address or a cell phone? It's rare. Um, it's certainly well structured, and, and almost impressively so. Um, it's kind of scary. I said one time, you know, I, I almost wish he would release a how-to book, and then part of me cringes and going, "No, don't you know? Don't share this with with everybody." Um, it, it, no, you don't see this this too often. All, but again, is nobody's perfect, and sometimes the dam cracks. And all of a sudden, there's a lot of evidence all of a sudden there you never knew was even there at all. So we'll just have to wait and see, just to be able to go back to I used water, but how airtight. It's just, you know, but it is, it is, you know, you'd say the word. It's, it's impressive how well orchestrated this has been, this has been handled and managed for, for so, so, so many years. Yeah. David Parker, uh, you talked about the uh, the dam possibly cracking a bit. Um, with the not guilty pleas from the likes of uh, Michael McLean, uh, that does open up discovery. Um, do you think that there there could be <laughs> once the the feds start handing over uh, what they call voluminous records? Um, do you think that that's going to be the pressure that gets uh, one of the defendants in the in at least the ComEd case to to crack? And what happens with the uh, the likes of Fidel Marquez who has pleaded guilty already? Uh, and is uh, apparently cooperating uh, with federal investigators uh, in the ongoing case. I think that's going to be pressure. Again, you never know what's out there. And if you're always kind of worried, it wears on people. Are you going to bed every night and you're putting your head on your pillow and you're like, what was said in emails? Who sent what to whom? What could be out there? I think that gnaws at people and it worries them, and and that would be pressure to come forward maybe and say, okay, can we work out some type of of, of plea deal? 
Well, we will. I mean, uh, do they really want me or somebody else? Yeah, we'll we'll be watching closely. Uh, David Parker, greatly appreciate you taking the time, uh, and we'll we'll connect again soon as this continues to progress and right. and see what happens. Of course, we've got a, a hearing next week. Uh, where um, you know the the House Special Investigating Committee uh, does plan, at least is still on the schedule. Uh, they plan on uh, uh, having the hearing on uh, House Speaker Michael Madigan's conduct uh, in the ComEd bribery scheme. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll touch base shortly around there or afterwards and get your reaction to some of the things that uh, may transpire there, where they could possibly ask Madigan to um, testify and not ask, demand it through a subpoena. How how important do you think that that type of action is going to be on that separate track? Because it's not the federal prosecutors that are driving that. That's being right. driven by uh, you know a legislative body, the House. Uh, so how important is it that uh, that type of action uh, be taken? And uh, what do you think the, the, the outcome of the speaker, uh, if he decides not to testify, would be? I think it's 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 a parallel track but separate track. Um, I think the Illinois the the, the citizens of Illinois want our our legislatures um, to, to continue to push this. I mean, I think people are kind of burned out with a lot of it. Some people may not be surprised by it, but I think overall they're glad to see this. So you know, we hope it continues to get pressed. I, it's, I don't think Madigan's going to say anything dumb. I mean, the man is cool, calm, collect, um, very intelligent. So I think a lot of people are looking at it as a process. At this point, it's maybe not an issue of even the outcome as much as is there follow-through, is there commitment to try to get to the truth? And I see that as being a huge step right there. David, again, thanks so much. Uh, We'll talk again in the near future. All right, be safe up there. Great. Thanks for having me. Have a great day.